Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to episode 258 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor. We'd like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. And we want to mention that the second edition of our book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, is available on Amazon. Everyone agrees that collaboration is essential in today's world, but now, even more than ever, knowing the right tools will make all the difference. And what a difference another week or two makes. In our last episode, we shared what we've learned and our best tips about the last from the last few weeks of this massive shift to work from home. This week, we are all in lockdown. The legal industry is seeing layoffs, reductions, and much more. We all have to make smart decisions about spending, especially technology spending. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be discussing making good tech spending decisions for tough economic times. In our second segment, Dennis asks for my help with cord cutting. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. Uh, But first up, how do you make good economic decisions about technology spending in a time of maximum uncertainty, which is pretty much describes where we are right now? Here in my family, no one's lost their job. We have had one salary reduction, possibly one more on the way, depending on how things go. Already in the legal market, we're seeing lawyer salaries being reduced. We see summer associate programs being canceled. And I'm going to guess that this is likely only the very beginning. And while this isn't necessarily the time to go out and buy new technology, it's also not the time to go without technology. So, We thought we'd talk about how to approach uh, technology spending when the economy is bad or, at the very least, uncertain. So, Dennis, knowing you, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that you're going to be recommending a portfolio approach. But let's start with that fundamental question, which is, should we all, individuals and organizations, be looking to cut technology expenses? Well, I think the short answer is clearly yes. The longer answer is that we really have to be smart about how we do that. And the better question might be what we need to do to reduce unnecessary tech expenses. And I think we'll dive into that topic a lot. Uh, And so you hear talk these days about essential jobs and essential things and non-essential. So it's almost like the same approach to technology, but try to figure out what it is that's unnecessary that you're spending on and use that as a place to start. And I think that's going to help you walk down the path towards smarter technology spending. Well, and I think, you know, I think the unfortunate answer is that many of us are going to need to cut expenses, not just in technology, but in a lot of different areas. And like all of these other areas, it's not necessarily about cutting expenses or it doesn't have to be. It's about figuring out 
the smartest way to spend what you have or to use what you have to get the most out of what you need. So that might mean reducing in some areas, cutting out entirely in other areas. It might mean increasing your use of technology or spending something more that you usually wouldn't do. So um, it's really about being smart on your spending to to get to a point, and I think what we'll talk about more is is really about how to make those smart decisions so that you are keeping the lights on while making sure that you uh, you, you you don't go bust. Well, in fairness, if we all had good disaster and strategic plans on technology, all of this would be easier. But we really don't have those plans. This is sort of unprecedented, anyway. I I, I sort of felt. Uh, with my tech resolutions for this year, I was in a better place because I was thinking about revamping my technology and simplifying it. So I do have sort of a plan, but I can see right away it's not complete enough. So for those of us who can't dust off the strategic plan, we're scrambling a little bit. So, and even with the plan I have, like I said, I don't feel it's that complete. So what about you, Tom? Well, you know, here here what's interesting. If we think of a disaster recovery plan as a strategy that gets you or your firm up and running with the bare minimum of resources and still provide, you know, the, the right level of security to client information that provides the basics of running a law office, a law practice, then I would argue that most lawyers outside of the biggest law firms don't have one. I would guess that most big law firms have some type of business continuity um, because they operate more like regular businesses do than, uh, than smaller firms. But I would say that the lawyers in those big firms probably don't know that their firms have disaster recovery plans, or at least most of them anyway. What's interesting about this is I'm thinking back to Katrina. There were hundreds of webinars and books and other materials basically practically begging lawyers to develop a disaster recovery plan. And I guess, to be fair, we've made some progress. More offices are paperless now, but certainly not all of them. More lawyers have moved to the cloud, but certainly, certainly not all of them. But, you know, it's interesting. I've seen stories from the past two weeks just on Twitter or other anecdotes from lawyers who are having trouble working from home because their entire practice is actually located in their office on paper or in servers. So I don't think that the message got through to nearly enough lawyers from Katrina. Um, I certainly don't have a plan. I mean, our company has the outlines of a plan, but has it been tested? Is it complete? Not even close. But I would like to believe that I'm a little bit farther along than, than some lawyers that I've seen about, seen about because we at least have got the outlines of what it takes to be able to work remotely to be able to work in, in a way that where, where it's not possible to work in the way that you'd worked before. And it always takes something extreme to remind us that it does make a lot of sense to have a forward-looking plan, but most of us fall down on that. Let's face that. So I, I think really we have to start with where we are and not where we wish we were. And for most of us, I, I think that means triage right away. And to me, I, I think there's sort of three areas, Tom. So where do we decrease spending? Where do we freeze spending? And where do we invest perhaps more ex more expenditure in? I think that's fairly uncontroversial. But uh, what's your reaction to that, Tom? Well, I, I, I agree with those categories, but I'm wondering, as I was thinking about them, I wonder where there's a fourth area that doesn't neatly fit into them, or maybe it fits into several of them. And that is to make better use of the technology that you have or that subscription you still have that you never used or some way to 
to take advantage of something that you've got and use it in a way that allows you to save money or at least not spend money by making better use of what you've got. I mean, we talk about that on all kinds of podcasts, and there might be those opportunities to do that here that make you more efficient, that help you save money or at least not spend money that you haven't thought about. And it's potentially one of the cheaper investments that you can make. So if you're looking to say, I want to cut this out, I want to cut this out. And then you say, oh, wait, there's some features or some aspects of this technology that we're not using. But if we do use it, it would help us find other savings or move forward. Then it can also fall into that uh, investment category. Well, and like, like, for example, real quick, you know, I'm using Adobe Acrobat, but you know what? I forgot totally that my Adobe Acrobat also allows me to sign documents electronically, which now I really need to do better. And so maybe if I just spent a little bit of money subscribing to that electronics, you know, e-signature part of Adobe Acrobat, maybe that would help me get my work done and it would be worth doing rather than trying to sign documents and send them out and worry about paper signatures. Right. And I think that's so usually when uh, like a salesperson says to me, like, what kind of investment are you willing to make as their way of enticing me to spend money? I kind of pull back from that. But I actually think this is a case where the I think the phrase investment makes uh, more sense than just spending. And, and your example is a good one, Tom, because you could say, oh, I need electronic the ability to do electronic signatures. And it's not just like I'm spending a, a small amount every month. It's actually a great investment because I can leverage what I have fairly cheaply and not have to go out and say, oh, I need to get a DocuSign or some other, you know, get some other electronic signature platform because I already have it. And I think that what I like about using the word invest is that this is this is really part of your disaster recovery plan is investing in the technologies that are going to help you out the next time that this comes along. Because we can't assume that Katrina was the end or that this is the end or that there might be something 10 years from now where we have to do something like this again or we have to alter the way that we practice it. And so I think that lawyers tend to be prepared for a lot of things. Technology isn't one of them. And I think that by investing in some things, I think that e-signatures is one of them. I think that certainly we've, we've, we and everybody else has kind of exhausted the topic of online meeting services. But if there's not kind of a explosion in lawyers using that after this whole thing is done, I will be very surprised. Okay. So let's, although we've been talking about investment, the fact is, Tom, I think you're like me, that investment is something right now that we're just talking about, that what we're really doing is we are cutting and we are looking at things that should be cut and we're trying to save money where we can. And so I think that when I look at the cut category, I I think that, Tom, you and I always like to talk about audits. I really think that's a part of it. So I think you're looking for what's the low-hanging fruit here? So what technology, and especially what technology spending is unnecessary, what aren't you really using, what is just too expensive and that it makes sense to go to a cheaper service, and uh, what are places that you can move to those cheaper alternatives easier? So you may look at things, and I, I know this is what I'm doing, I'm saying, okay, so I have this service and it costs so much a month, do I really need that? Can I get something else? Is it, you know, I'm, Am I e- even using 
using it. So I think if you're starting to go through and say, what are those things where it makes sense to do some cutting that uh, might even be fairly painless, but just get that low-hanging fruit as quickly as you can. I think you're right. And and in fact, my notes here have the words low-hanging fruit in here. I do think that this is the hardest one to follow through on. Certainly, if you have unnecessary expenses, you know, I've I, admittedly, I haven't practiced law now for 12 years. Um, so I don't know how lawyers approach things, but I was thinking, well, what if there are lawyers who've purchased maybe more than one of the online research services? You may not have. You may have decided that just one is enough for you, and maybe I'm just talking crazy here. But if you did, do you really need all three of them? Do you have more than one of anything that, that you're using? If you've purchased technology that you don't use or if you have subscriptions that you don't take advantage of, I think this is excellent low-hanging fruit to get rid of. But the caution that I have here with cost-cutting is the potential danger of moving to a low-cost alternative is you really cannot sacrifice security or confidentiality for cost. So don't just go with a cheaper alternative if it unless you are certain that it's not going to sacrifice security or confidentiality. You know, there's a whole, not to bring it up again, but there's a whole backlash against Zoom right now. And there's a ton of other video services that people are touting, but we don't really know whether they're any more or less secure than Zoom happens to be. So I'm worried that lawyers will actually choose to forego technology altogether rather than stick with potentially a more expensive alternative. But I really think that, that's why I think that this is going to be some hard decisions to make. I, I think that there's a, a balancing act you have to have is saving money is one thing, but but you cannot sacrifice the security of, or confidentiality of the information you're protecting for your client. And there's another another way to look at, at the cut category too, and I would think of it as reducing. It's possible in this environment, especially in cloud services or where you're working with a longtime provider, that you can actually negotiate a lower price, or maybe uh, you know the ability to go for three months with the at a reduced price or no price, because there are some cloud services definitely making services available to lawyers at reduced or or even free in some cases. So you might be able to to leverage you know your existing providers and just get just get a reduction or a delay in in what you owe, and that can help you through this period as well. And then the the second big category that we talked about time is is freezing. And so this is uh, what we're saying we need to keep some things that are necessary or it's very high to has a very high cost of switching. And we're also looking at things that actually keep the lights on and the doors open. So the technology you need to to actually help you get revenue, to collect revenue, you know, to send out the bills, all those sorts of things. Does the technology help you survive? And then there are some basic areas that Tom has already touched on, security, backup, remote work, that you're saying, okay, these are the things we need, those technologies which would kind of freeze them and kind of keep the costs where we are, but we just need to have them so they do not go onto the cut list. I really don't have anything to add here other than to say that, yep, it needs to be whatever the bare minimum or the, the minimum that you need to keep everybody working, to keep the lights on, to keep the law practice in business. And if there's technology that pays for itself, 
then all the better. If there's a way that you are, are that you can leverage that kind of technology, then it's got to be, I guess I would call it cost neutral, so that it's not imposing an additional cost. Like what Dennis mentioned, those basics of keeping your data secure, having an adequate backup, having the minimum technology tools you need to practice, you know, a computer, an internet connection, tools for creating documents are obviously the bare minimum that you need. I mean, I, I, I would, you know, Dennis, you talk about an audit. This is another time to take a look at as part of that audit you make a list of all the technology you have and part of that list needs to be what is the minimum that i need to survive and operate my practice and that goes at the top of the list and never comes off and i would say the the other thing that i think is a great example in this category is that if you say that you're using laptops for yourself and and uh, the lawyers in your office and uh, all the staff in the office as well these days then you're on a i mean it used to be like a 3 year replacement cycle i think it's more realistic these days it's a four or five year replacement cycle. To me, it's like a super easy decision in the freeze category is to kick out that replacement cycle for another year. You know, unless it's actually causing a significant problem for someone. So you're looking at, at things like that. And then obviously, if there's some purchases that are you were planning to pull the trigger on this year, you might also delay those. And then the last category, Tom, and, and I think the one that's easiest to overlook and might be the most important as time goes on is the investment category. And I don't know, why, why don't you kick off the, the conversation about invest? Well, for me, this category includes the technologies that, as I said before, one, are going to help you survive the next downturn if we have one. Two, help you become more efficient, which hopefully will help you survive a downturn. And three, hopefully help you learn more about technology. You know, what are the tools that can help you the most now that will in turn help you serve your clients better in the future? I think the low-hanging fruit here are the practice management tools, the document assembly tools, the workflow tools. If you're not already using them, this is a great time to invest in that. You know, I think that, you know, our our friends in, in AI might not like that I'm saying this, but I really don't think that now is the time to invest in artificial intelligence tools. I just don't think it's a must-have in hard economic times, unlike some of these other tools. I think that there are other priorities that I would choose to invest in. The AI is a nice-to-have, but I don't know that it's a must-have today, and, and I would I would look at it that way to say, what is going to serve me the best moving forward? And while AI, I think, is going to get there and it will serve you well, I think that you need the fundamentals helping you before you get to something as advanced and, and as powerful as artificial intelligence or, or even other more advanced tools. Yeah, I mean, I also look at the basics to say, okay, so what is it that's going to help me? And in a lot of ways, it's what what's going to make it easy for clients to pay you? And so if you're, you're not happy with your current billing system and approach uh, or in any aspect of it, that's a place that you might want to invest. I think to the extent your firm has strategies, you want to say, what do we need to do in, in technology that will align to that overall strategy? I think anything that's client-focused or client-driven becomes a potential area of investment, and that includes things like client portals and client delivery tools. And then I think you should also look at it accelerating your movement to the cloud because you're learning right now the importance of being able to 
that people can work from home, work from anywhere, and that means cloud. And then as Tom pointed out, I, I think anything that's going to help you with workflow, process improvement, and uh, that the ability to deliver good legal work and deliverables in a changed environment where your clients might want to pay less, frankly, all those things can help you. And those are really sound technology investments. You're probably just going to pick a few of them but try to pick the ones that make the most sense for the overall strategy of your firm and survival of the firm. So I'm guessing to hear by the way you've made this description, I'm guessing that the answer to my initial question is yes, you are moving to a portfolio theory. Yeah, so I think we're, we've sort of learned this and one of the things that reinforces the portfolio theory is that what we've experienced in this in, with our investments in the last few months. Um, so now we're, some of us might be kicking ourselves because we had invested too much in stocks and we wish we would have just had cash, but now we know that cash is going to make pretty close to 0%. And so if we had this totally safe investment portfolio, odds are that in, in, in five Five years from now, it would to have it all in cash, 100% in cash would not be like the smartest move. So historically, that's been true. So I look at technology in the same way. And I say, we need to look at, at sort of short-term, medium-term, long-term approaches that we're taking, not cut out the long-term approach. We need to, to balance high risk to low risk. Obviously, we're going to skew more than ever to the lower risk side, and we're going to look at low return versus high return thinking about technology. And I just think you got to get some kind of balance in a portfolio approach. And you're going to skew way more conservative, I think, in the coming year. But I think you have to balance that in some way. It's the same way you balance a portfolio by putting some higher risk, higher return, and longer term investments in there. So yes, Tom, I did go to portfolio theory, which is not a surprise to you at all. Not surprising in the slightest. So um, let's wrap this up by maybe giving some tips or, or, or giving advice on what to do first. Do you need to get help? Um, I'll go first, and then, Dennis, you can wrap this up with any final thoughts that you've got. You know, I think I've got I've got two main tips right now. I, the first one may be may or may not be controversial because it, although it may not be for everyone, you might look into seeing if you qualify for a small business loan under the new legislation. It might help you out either with investing in technology or in keeping the technology that you currently have. Something to think about. And I'm going to repeat again what I mentioned in the last podcast, which is the resources that Bob Ambrogi has compiled in his on his page of the legal. Tech Tech companies that are providing free or discounted legal tech services while we are still in crisis. I think this is absolutely the time to take advantage of them, especially if you're going to make smart investments in technology at some point in the near future. You can try them out. You can learn learn about them. You know, if this is a truly a downtime for you in terms of work that you have the time, there is no better time to look at some of these tools, figure out, do these make sense for you? Can they or should they be added to the portfolio approach that you are, that Dennis is talking about. And maybe when we come out on the end of this, that will have served you well. Yeah. And I think that comes down to, when we talk in terms of audits, the easiest way to think about this, but you, uh, we learn every single day that you can't really manage unless you can measure what you have. So you, you just need to figure out what it is that you have. Um, and that's going to help you make better decisions. One great place is, can you get more out of what you already have? 
And then I think it really does come down to this question is, do you need to get help? And I think that on the cost cutting side, definitely having the outside eye may may help you there on the cost cutting side. But I'd say more important on the investment side, that's where I think you, you need that. Where having somebody who can look at what you have, what your strategic plans are, and give you just a little bit of advice on that can, can make a big difference and kind of keep you from going in a direction that might not make as much sense. And then to keep reminding you, I I think somebody on the outside can keep reminding you, like, talk to your clients, talk to your clients, see what your clients want. And that, that will, I think, really help you drive some good decisions. All right. And before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. From time to time, we use this segment so Tom can educate me on something I probably should have done a long time ago. So today, that's cord cutting. As I looked at my personal money outflow, the cable bill sure seems like a great place to cut expenses. And of course, it's been a great place to cut expenses for a long time. And many of you who've already done away with the cable uh, and the big cable bills would call me a laggard in that category. But Tom, of course, is too polite to do that. So Tom, can you walk me through how do I actually do some cord cutting? I've already noticed that cable providers do not make it very easy for you to learn how to do this. Okay. So as I was preparing for this, I realized we could easily make an entire A segment out of this because there's a lot to talk about. So I'll try to break it down into three quick parts. The first decision to make is to decide whether you want to use an antenna to capture broadcasts of your local over-the-air networks. There's a number of antennas that can do this. The downside is you also need a DVR that works with antennas if you plan to record any local network shows. I am not a fan of antennas, so I just skipped over this entirely. I didn't want to do it. A lot of people do it. I didn't, I'm not a fan, so I said no, and I moved on. Next, you need to figure out the other hardware that you're going to need. Some people make do with a good laptop or phone that they connect to their, their TV. They can stream that way, and it's easy to do. I prefer to have something a little more stable or a little more full-featured. Then you've got two choices. You either want to consider, and and granted, this is, you know, we're, we've talked in our A segment about cost-cutting, and now here I am talking about buying stuff. The two ways to do this are a smart TV or a media hub. There's a lot of smart TVs out there, Samsung, LG, a bunch of companies make them. They allow you to connect directly to stump some of the streaming services that I'm going to talk about next. Or you can buy a media hub like a Roku or an Amazon Fire TV or an Apple TV or a Chromecast. We went the Roku route. They're not terribly expensive. We bought one for every for every room and hooked it up to the TV, hooked it up to Wi-Fi. It works 
quite well. Once you've got that hardware, and I think hopefully a solid internet connection, that's one of the that's one of the tech purchases that you really can't skimp on. Having a good solid internet connection these days is critical. Uh, you need to choose your streaming service. There are two different kinds of streaming services. Again, we could talk about this for a long time. There's on-demand streaming services like Netflix, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus. Or there's live TV streaming services that actually stream live television like YouTube TV, Hulu with live TV, Sling TV. Um, there's a new service from AT&T called AT&T TV Now. For us, we chose the service that had the most channels for a reasonable price. For us, that was YouTube TV. We get local networks. We get the sports that we want. We get all the channels that we usually watch. And we supplement that with HBO and Netflix and Amazon Prime for the movies and the things that we can't get on YouTube. All of that together works out to about a third of the cost of our previous cable bill. And so far, it has been worth it. There have been some bumps. You know, YouTube TV's DVR doesn't work exactly like your normal DVR does. But all in all, the trade-offs have been, I think, minor. Dennis, have I convinced you yet? Yeah, well, I'm convinced. So I, I have a couple questions. So I, I know we, you and I talk about how people just lost their minds over privacy uh, and security issues around Zoom. But I would say the area that people have shown the most concern about is on privacy is, is smart TVs. So I definitely do not want to go that route. So I'm Apple TV because I already have one. Yep. I do want to use the antenna because it looks like I'll get a uh, being close to Detroit. I'll have access to tons of, of channels. So I'm not like in a, a really rural area. It sounds like I'm going to have to buy a special DVR that works with that antenna setup. Is that right? Well, see, what I'm going to ask you, though, I'm going to I'm going to challenge you first and say what I would do first is I would go to one of the live streaming services and plug in your zip code. And it will tell you what local channels you get. And you can see what you can get for get live and let that drive your decision. If, if you don't like the, the choices and you feel like there are other Detroit options for you that are not included, then I would go the antenna route. I mean, for Dallas, I mean, granted, I do live right in Dallas, so I, I but, but every single local TV channel is included. So I there, there wasn't a single local channel that I had to worry about. So that would be my first step. But it's true that if you... My understanding is, is that if you use an antenna to record those channels, you have to have a separate DVR for that. And then everything else would be on demand. And I was actually thinking about putting off the YouTube TV until I decided whether I was actually missing enough, you know, based on what we were actually watching. And I guess the, the lockdown period we're in now has made me question how significant it is to catch every single sporting event which has always been the test. And I think that's probably what would move me to like a YouTube TV, but I'm not at this point totally convinced how much I'm going to miss from that. Plus I have like a potentially an ESPN app that would, you know, give me access to, to sporting events. So that's, that to me is the big wild card. What I like about YouTube TV is that based on your region and your geography, it will give you access to the Fox sports channels that, that serve your your market. And so I can get access to to all of the, the the Dallas sporting events that I need to if I were so inclined to do it. I haven't 
terribly miss them too much. But those are th- those are what I get. I tend to record only the network shows, a couple of off-network shows. But to be honest, we spend more of our time on things like Amazon Prime or Netflix watching other shows these days, mostly because there's not a lot of new stuff coming out on the networks because of the lockdown. Yeah, and I would say that we have Amazon Prime and we have Netflix, so it's kind of like I think I can get pretty far pretty cheaply. So, yeah, so that's that's been really helpful, Tom, especially on the uh, um, that DVR piece, which was, was one thing I hadn't uh, been so sure of. But the YouTube TV, as I understand, is probably about $50 a month, it looked like, from when I was pricing it. 50 bucks a month, and most of the other services are comparable. The AT&T TV now um, is, is actually pretty comparable, too, but that's only for a year. So don't be uh, – I initially thought about going to that, but then I realized that that's just a one-year promotion, and then it goes up really expensive. It goes up over 100 and some dollars after, after that year is out. So I would – I would, might avoid that, but most of these other ones are pretty comparable. And then the other thing uh, – the other point that's worth making is that you put you invest part of the savings into the fastest internet connection you can get. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I would say the one thing I did keep was I kept my fiber, my one one G or one uh, one gigabit speed, which is just awesome. We get great Wi-Fi speeds and and great great. Uh, th- that's where I've chosen. I don't spend a ton of money on on my internet, but it is absolutely the best investment we have. Great. So now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Okay, I have two tips, both around our current COVID-19 crisis. One is to call out a um, COVID-19 resources for lawyers page on the Legal Talk Network site. They, uh, there are a number of our Legal Talk Network colleagues who are recording episodes on coronavirus and on the changing practice of law and uh, federal legislation and all sorts of things about working from home and dealing with the law and other types of things. So I encourage you to visit that page. If you're not already subscribing to these podcasts anyway, go visit the page and uh, look at all the other resources there. And then I guess on the lighter side, I will direct you to you probably need a haircut.com, which is recognizing that before we come off of lockdown, we likely will all need a haircut. And this website for $18 will set you up in an online meeting with a professional hairstylist who will direct you on how to cut your own hair. So if you are brave enough and desperate enough, you can get a haircut on your, you can give yourself a haircut for $18 while being guided by a professional. So uh, you probably need a haircut.com. It's interesting because I was uh, actually pulled out, looked at some of my college pictures to see what I might look like now with uh, hair that long. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know, the, the gray thing, I don't think works that well with, with long hair, but uh, we'll see where we get there. So I also have uh, two things and they're upcoming soon, right after you uh, listen, after this podcast comes out. So uh, first one, Rocket Matter is doing something they call Rocket Aid, which is a CL, two-day CLE presentation, $25 that goes to a number of charities and a lots, of, lots of great CLE content, especially on remote computing, lots of well-known experts and uh, ways to improve uh, and, and a number of 
other ways to improve your practice of law. April 16th and 17th, all day, 12 and a half hours of CLE credit. Congratulations to Larry Port of Rocket Matter for coming up with this idea. And then I'm going to be involved uh, with a company I advise called Foundation Lab. And they're going to be doing two workshops on innovation, and they're called Beyond Ideas, and the ideas that we will focus on uh, not just ideation and brainstorming, but kind of the next step. So how do you validate that your ideas are good, and how do you test them and design experiments? And I helped the guys at Foundation Lab do this workshop live, and uh, we want to try it online, and so it's free. Information will be at foundationlab.co, and then we'll publicize it on social media so that will get you to it as well but if you're interested in innovation and moving the next step down the path from your latest great idea this will give you some really good techniques and almost a scientific approach to take your idea test it and see if you can move it to something that actually can go out into the real world And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for this podcast episode. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out to us on LinkedIn. And don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail at 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.